You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Tuesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Glad to have you on board. We'll talk to the NFL Players Association president. He plays for the Cleveland Browns, J.C. Treader. He'll join us coming up. Mark Grace, former Cubs, Diamondbacks, star first baseman. We'll get his thoughts on the Sosa McGuire documentary. He was front and center. He was there at first base congratulating McGuire when he broke Roger Maris's record. So Mark Grace will join us a little bit later on. You can be part of the program in a variety of ways. Uh, chat row, we say good morning to them. You can email, you can tweet, dial us up. You can listen, you can watch. You can watch on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. You can do all the above if you like. But uh, come in, stay a while. Reports about positive tests for coronavirus keep coming up throughout the world of sports. And maybe the biggest active name is Zeke Elliott of the Cowboys. He was part of a report involving multiple Cowboys and Texans yesterday. Then there was another report about baseball players and staffers testing positive. Denver Nuggets head coach Mike Malone said he had the virus back in March. Several college football programs have had positive tests, including Alabama It's the new reality of sports and really the bigger challenge that sports faces. Team sports, all about being together, obviously mentally, but more specifically physically. And players are closer together in the locker room, meetings, travel, and of course, on the football field, on the diamonds, on the basketball court. And we're seeing these long, detailed safety guidelines. They're loaded with creative ideas and obviously good intentions, but none of them completely jive with the reality of sports. And the recent test should be a subtle reminder, reopening sports isn't going to be about perfection. It's going to be about trying as hard as possible to stay safe while doing an activity that isn't easy to control. We sent an email yesterday to the NFL. And the email said in part, uh, we're wondering what exactly would happen in terms of protocol and steps over the next 24 hours if this was discovered, a positive test, on, say, a Saturday the day before a game involving one or both of these teams. And the NFL sent a note back, an email back. We are continuing to work on the appropriate protocols with the NFL Players Association in conjunction with medical experts, including our joint outside experts at Duke and the CDC. We will provide more information as it becomes available as we get closer to the start of games in the next couple of months. In other words, the NFL doesn't have a plan in place right now. If Zeke Elliott on a Thursday tests positive, he's done. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Now, keep in mind, if he doesn't have any, if he's not ill, if he if he tests positive, you know, if he's asymptomatic, you know, how long is he going to be out? How long is he going to be quarantined? Probably two weeks. If he has the virus and he has some kind of uh, effects from it, he's going to be out even longer than that. And then the players that come in contact with him. So that was just one item here. The NFL has time to figure this out. College football has time to figure this out. The other sports don't. You got one shot to get it right if you're the NBA, if you're the NHL. Even golf and some of these other sports, soccer coming back. You got one chance. Because all of a sudden, if you have one positive test or two positive tests, the number of people that you come in contact with, then you go back to Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. And the NFL doesn't have a plan in place. But just imagine that if, let's say, four players would test positive on a Thursday before a Sunday game, they're out. And then 
Those that come in contact have to be tested. You got to wait for the results. That usually takes two days. So the, the NFL is still trying to figure this out, and so is college football. But you're starting to see more positive tests in some of these states that were probably open for business sooner than some of the other states that were open for business. But uh, we'll talk to the head of the NFL Players Association about these protocols that have to be put in place. But Zeke Elliott and some of the Cowboys and some of the Texans testing positive yesterday. Roger Goodell was on the mothership last night. And the commissioner talked about the possibility of positive COVID tests. Okay, we'll uh, see if we can come up with that. But he talked about that they expect positive tests uh, throughout you know this uh, next couple of months here. I just don't know what happens once we get to the season. And if you have somebody testing positive during the season, this program is brought to you by LegalZoom. You can uh, start online. They have a network of independent attorneys. They provide advice when you need it. And since LegalZoom isn't a law firm, you don't have to leave your home. Visit LegalZoom.com today for more information. Uh, here is uh, the commissioner from last night. We expect that we're going to have positive tests. That's part of uh, the increased testing that we'll be going through. That's something that we just want to make sure that our protocols are working. And I think to date, uh, we're seeing very positive reactions in the sense of making sure that we respond quickly, protect the personnel that may be impacted by that and others that may be in contact with them. Okay, there's nothing they can do right now. I think you have to be purpose purposely uh, vague here. You got to be vague in, in what you're saying here because you just don't know. You can't say we're going to figure it out and, uh, hey, the games will go on. Are you going to have a larger practice squad here? Now, 53-man roster, you're going to have 60. How do the owners feel about that? So there's a lot to work through, but it feels like they have that time to be able to come up with that game plan. Not the same for Major League Baseball. And I'm not going to waste your time today because it feels like I say every day I come in, I go, okay, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, the commissioner was on the mothership last night, the SPN Sports Center special with Mike Greenberg, uh, the return of sports. And, uh, you know, see, I did it. I'm back in. Here I go. Last week, he was optimistic. This week, he's not. Now less than 100% confident about a return here. We're going back and forth here. And we're the, we're the collateral damage here. And I'm talking about we as fans. Because we're just waiting we don't care about the money. We don't care about any of those other aspects. Just tell us how many games and when you start. That's it. And it doesn't sound like anybody has any answers here. And I know now the owners or the commissioner is blaming the players and players association for leaking information while not taking ownership of all the other articles and emails and information that the owners and commissioner leaked prior to this. It's not pretty. And even if we do have baseball, mark my words, in 2022, we won't have baseball. We won't start baseball on time. This will carry over the next collective bargaining agreement, and I don't think baseball will start on time. That's why you have to look at the bigger picture here. And baseball has not. And I say collectively, baseball is not. This is about now, but it's about next year and the year after that and maybe a decade after that. You're losing fans. How do you get them back? How about you play? 
you could have taken advantage of this opportunity. The window of opportunity was primed and ready to go for Major League Baseball. And you go back to March when we started talking about this. When does baseball come back? Hey, maybe June. Articles were written, maybe June, June 1st. And they probably could have done it. But this wasn't necessarily about the virus. This was, this was about the back and forth between the two sides. But the virus started this where you had questions about safety, health, and then it came down to the bottom line, which it always does, and it's about money. How much are you going to have me spend? How much do I have to spend to get you to come back? And that's why baseball is in this financial tug of war. And maybe the commi- if the commissioner forces them back, we won't have baseball in 2022. At least we won't start on time. And you will not get any cooperation from these players. You're going to make us come back. You're not going to pay us what you said you were going to pay us. Even though somebody didn't put any, like a, a lawyer didn't say, well, you know, if there's no fans in the stands, then we have the right to alter this or change this. That seemed like a little bit of a big omission there by whoever your lawyers are with Major League Baseball. Nobody thought to say, you know, hey, if there's no fans, then we're not making any money. Then, you know, we we deserve the right, reserve the right to be able to change this. That didn't happen. Uh, But Roger Goodell was front and center last night as well with uh, Rob Manfred, the uh, baseball commissioner. And it feels like Roger Goodell, and I don't know this for a fact because I don't know Roger Goodell. He hasn't been on our show in seven years. Yeah, at least seven. All right. But who's counting? Is he trying to save his legacy? I don't know how important his legacy is to it. But the Colin Kaepernick situation, it feels like is about his legacy. What has changed here? Kaepernick's gotten older. Have we gotten wiser? Now you have J.J. Watt. Baker Mayfield, they're going to kneel. Bill O'Brien, a head coach, is going to kneel. The NFL doesn't act. They react. And I think they're reacting to all of this. All you want to do is you're trying to figure out, you know, can we still do this and and have it be good for business? That's all they want to know. If people didn't have a problem with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, the NFL wouldn't have. They were implementing rules to say you can't kneel. Now I got a head coach who says he'll kneel. A star in J.J. Watt who says he'll kneel. Now all of a sudden the commissioner, it feels like, is now petitioning teams to sign Colin Kaepernick. What's changed? Perception has changed. The landscape has changed. The the NFL didn't have an epiphany where they go, you know what, on second thought, you know, maybe we were a little unfair. Here is the commissioner last night on ESPN. We should have listened to our players earlier. Our players, uh, including Colin Kaepernick, including uh, Eric Reed, including Kenny Stills and so many others, Malcolm Jenkins, so many people that to really brought these issues to light. And it actually predates and goes back to 2014 in Ferguson when Michael Brown was killed uh, by police brutality. Our players have been at the forefront in bringing attention to these issues and really working to try to make a difference in the communities. Okay. But why has it taken six years for you to open your eyes? And that's, I, look, I always question 
you know, what's, what's the motive here? And that's why I wondered how important it is for Roger Goodell. You know, his father was a, uh, a big-time uh, politician back in the day. He stood up to Richard Nixon, I believe, during uh, Watergate, uh, Charlie Goodell. And I don't know if this is important or not for Roger Goodell. Because if you said, what's your legacy? You made a lot of money for the owners. But that's what he's paid to do. It feels like there's a part of the commissioner that's saying, do I just want to be known as a guy who made a lot of money for the owners here? Adam Silver is trying to do both with the NBA. And I think he's doing a pretty good job. Now, he's got to kind of navigate through this Kyrie Irving situation here. But it feels like Adam Silver wants to do the right thing. And it's not as much about the bottom line. Now, do I have my issues with how they handled Hong Kong? Yeah, I do. But, you know, he handled the Clippers owner, Donald Sterling. But to me, that was a no-brainer. You went in and said, no, you're bad for business. You're a bad guy. But he did it right away, and he gained the player's trust. It feels like the commissioner wants to do the right thing in the NBA. And I think Roger Goodell, judging by some of his comments here, he's trying to do the right thing. But maybe he has to do the right thing because you don't want to be sort of left in the shadows as the players, coaches, media, like everybody is in front of this. They're out in front with this and you're still in the dark ages. But the commissioner telling like he can he can take players off the field and he's done that. Adrian Peterson, he's done that. Antonio Brown, he's done that. Ray Rice, now he says for the good of the game. Now he's going to put a player on the field for the good of the game? What has changed? Because Colin Kaepernick, remember, he couldn't play or people had doubts about him. His last year, he rushed for, what, almost 500 yards. He threw, I think, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions, threw 2,200 yards, but all of a sudden he couldn't play anymore. And then the excuses came out. I don't know if the commissioner can say, hey, is somebody going to... I believe the commissioner asked Jeff Fisher of the Rams to draft Michael Sam. Late in the draft, Michael Sam, gay, uh, SEC defensive player of the year. And when I had Jeff Fisher on, he basically said, well, we had." he didn't say that commissioner didn't tell him. But... He sort of, you know, he was he was gentle with it and why they were drafting Michael Sam. Now, look, SEC Defensive Player of the Year, he did, didn't make it in the NFL, obviously, but still, it felt like the commissioner wanted Jeff Fisher to use a seventh-round draft pick on Michael Sam, and he did. I don't know if the commissioner can say, hey, the Texans, the Ravens, Chiefs, Chargers, hey, could you take Colin Kaepernick? Like, you... I would take Cam Newton now because Cam Newton played recently. I don't know if Colin Kaepernick can play. He's four years removed from playing or three and a half years removed from playing. I don't know that. But Cam Newton, to me, might get a job before Colin Kaepernick. But here's the thing. I think Colin Kaepernick would come back and be a backup quarterback. Cam Newton's not coming in to be a backup quarterback. If I put Cam in Jacksonville, he's he thinks he's better than Gardner Minshew, and he could be. Uh, if I put him in Sandy or the uh, L.A. Chargers, he's thinks he's going to be better than Tyrod Taylor. Kansas City, he wouldn't be brought in there, but Colin Kaepernick could be brought in there. 
I need to have an established quarterback to bring in Colin Kaepernick. So he understands. You're going to come in, and we're just we're going to reintroduce you to the NFL. And then maybe he gets a job the following year. But Baltimore, you got Lamar Jackson, Kansas City, you've got Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if putting him in other places, because you don't want him to be the focal point. In Baltimore, he wouldn't be. In Kansas City, he wouldn't be. The Chargers, he would be. Jacksonville, he would be. I got to have an established quarterback if I'm going to bring him in because I don't want controversy. I don't want people going, put him in. Let's see if he can play. Put him in. Lamar Jackson is your MVP. Patrick Mahomes uh, won a Super Bowl. People aren't going to be calling for, hey, put in Kaepernick. If you put him in Jacksonville or with the Chargers, some of these other teams, you might get that. The Texans, you could bring him in. And talking to Mike Florio yesterday, that really feels like the place because Bill O'Brien, coach GM, says he'll kneel, and you got Deshaun Watson, established quarterback there. And you got J.J. Watt, who said he would take a knee. That, to me, would probably be the number one team on the list. I need to have an established coach who's, you know, even though Bill O'Brien not firmly cemented in that job, it doesn't feel like, but he's coaching GM. Uh, you know, Harbaugh's established in Baltimore. He's got Lamar Jackson, Andy Reid in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. It's going to take that. I just don't know how much nudging the commissioner does and how important is this to his legacy. We'll take a break. We'll uh, check in with the head of the NFL Players Association, the president, J.C. Treader. He's the Brown Center. How does he feel about going into this season, knowing what he knows now? And then Mark Grace will... Reminisce on 1998, the great home run chase with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. That'll be coming up a little bit later on. We'll come up with a poll question. Got a play of the day, stat of the day. We take a break. 19 after the hour. Glad to have you on board here. Dan and the Dan and Stan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This program brought to you by Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. It's the all-new GT four-door coupe. Life is a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you missed any of our interviews this week from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the Dan Patrick Show app. Watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG driving performance. We'll come up with a poll question. we got a play of the day, stat of the day coming up as well. Phone calls are welcome. 877-3DP-SHOW. He's J.C. Treader. He's the NFL Players Association president, and he is the starting center for the Cleveland Browns. Let's get to the important stuff right away, J.C. Thanks for joining us. How much do you think the commissioner weighs? (laughs) you're gonna start with the hard-hitting questions uh yeah questions early yeah Uh, i feel like i'm uh in one of the uh carnival uh uh positions i'm trying to guess birthday uh uh astrological sign and and wait here yeah uh i I would say it's probably what like six two so i give him about 220 220 okay look like he lost a little weight during the pandemic but you could bench the commissioner right oh yeah okay all right, that's all I wanted to know, JC. We appreciate you joining us here. Thanks for having me. Uh, by the way, I got one of the guys on my staff. He went to Dartmouth, and he Sorry knows. About that. Yeah, you went to Cornell. Uh, McLovin, you want a shot at JC here? No, I mean, it's just a shame he couldn't get in Dartmouth. I was curious, was he a, a, a hotel manager major or agriculture? Because I was an English literature major, right? 
uh, industrial labor relations. <laughs> oh, forget it. Could, could could you get into Dartmouth, though, JC? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Also, Dartmouth was your safe school. Yeah. Yeah, that was my fallback, just in case things went really bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, the Texans and Cowboys test positive, including Zeke Elliott yesterday. And... It felt like the NFL, when we contacted them, they don't really have a plan in place if this happened during the season. What have you been told, or what are you telling your players about the safe, you know, safety guidelines that you're going to have once the season starts? Yeah, I think that's, that's why we've continued to work on it. And I think this is just a perfect example of you know, bringing back to light that this is still going on. And the world has gone somewhat back to normal, and, and places are opening up. Uh, but, but this is still kind of out there. And, uh, you know, what, what we've been doing as a union is, is just continuing to grind away at protocols and rules and guidelines uh, that we need to put in place to make sure our players are as safe as possible when they go back. And uh, I think you see that, you know, football players are not immune to this virus uh, and, and we're not all in perfect health. I think people look at us like we're kind of robots or invincible, uh, but, but we have players in the league with underlying conditions that put them at higher risk. Uh, of some really negative results of this virus. And not only that, but they have family members who are immunocompromised or, or have underlying conditions that make them susceptible to this virus. So uh, that all goes into play in trying to figure out the best way to keep everybody safe and healthy throughout this year. The Players Association comfortable giving up all this medical information? You know, if if you're, I, I'm assuming, you know, like the NBA players have to get up, give up this medical information. Are the NFL players, you're going to have to do the same thing? Yeah, we're looking through all that and kind of, you know, what are the ethics around all these issues? Uh, and we, we've got task forces looking into, you know, what needs to be shared, um, you know, what are the players' choices, uh, and just trying to figure out, you know, what, what can we talk about, what can we share, uh, and figuring out the best way. So we've had several task forces looking at a bunch of different uh, avenues of kind of return to play. Uh, we've got looking at risk mitigation, testing. So we've had that going on for the last two months now, uh, continuing to, to look at different things that we can do to keep people safe and, and trying to break it up into each avenue as we you know, approach our normal start to a season. Do you think we're starting on time? That's a tough question. And I think it's tough because you see how, how quickly things can change. Uh, you kind of look, we're about, what, six weeks, month and a half uh, away from our normal training camp start date. And you look back to what things looked like a month and a half ago and then a month and a half before that. And you see how much, how much different things look in just six weeks. So I think it's irresponsible to speak in any definites uh, that far in advance. I think we've continued to look in, in short, intermediate, like two-week bursts. And, and we've got the virtual offseason that we negotiated. It's been extended till June 26th. So our guys know what they need to do and, and what they're responsible for until then. Uh, some teams have begun closing down and, and ending their virtual program early. So guys have gone on to their break like they normally would. Uh, but but our guys know at least for the next two weeks what they can do. And, and then from there, we have to continue to work and continue to keep these guys prepared and, and safe. He's J.C. Treader. He's the NFL Players Association president and the Cleveland Browns Center. How much dialogue has uh, come up with uh, in the uh, Players Association about Colin Kaepernick? I, I think this whole... The, all the issues, and it's been going on for, for years now, uh, is, a, is a constant conversation. It's been going on in locker rooms and then at a union level. I mean, that's why when the NFL tried to unilaterally impose 
uh, new rules and guidelines. That's why we filed a grievance to, to fight that because we're not going to allow you know, people to infringe on our players' rights. So it's been something we continue to fight for. And, and Colin, I think, I think it should be clear to everybody by now, he's out of the league not because of a football issue yeah. uh, and not because he's not capable of playing football. Uh, so, you know, we hope and we've continued to push for him to be back and be brought back into the fold uh, and be, be signed by a team. Uh, and we hope that happens. But you also have these now your quarterback, Baker Mayfield and J.J. Watt, Bill O'Brien of the Texans. They're saying they're going to take a knee. Can you I know it's fast forwarding into September, but what are the sidelines going to look like? What do you think the sidelines are going to look like? I don't know, but I think luckily this conversation has continued and at least people are starting to understand that no one who was kneeling before was it about anything with the military. No one, no one said anything about that. Uh, it was always fairly clear when you asked them the question of why are you kneeling? They talked about the systemic racism, police brutality, uh, and racism in the country. And, that, and that's why they were bringing awareness. Uh, and I think people have started to understand that more and that's become a more widespread understanding. And you see the people now becoming more comfortable while talking to that issue. Uh, and, and I think it's great about guys raising awareness for issues they're passionate about. And, and that's something as players, it's promoted. We have a week every year for My Cause, My Cleats, where we go and get shoes and, and the, the media talks about all these stories and all these issues that we're passionate about and want to bring awareness to. Uh, and this is another issue guys want to bring awareness to, and it, and it shouldn't be, well, don't talk about that issue. No, this, if this is an issue guys are passionate about, guys should be able to bring awareness to that issue. And I think it's Justin Jackson from the Broncos who came out and said, you know, we, we wanted to raise awareness for this back with Kaepernick, and we've raised awareness. Maybe you don't need to try to do that with the anthem. That is there another way? Like, have you graduated from that to something else? Uh, you know, for the lack of a better description here, for the entire NFL Players Association. Is there another level to this? Because you got eyes on you. Kaepernick got eyes on him. Malcolm Jenkins, Eric Reed, some of these other players. Now, where do you go from here, I guess, would be my question for anybody involved in this. Yeah, I think that's those are conversations that are going on and trying to segue that awareness into action and into change. Uh, and that's kind of been the goal of, of raising the awareness, getting the eyes on it, and then segueing that uh, into tangible things that can make, make these issues better. Uh, and I think we're starting to see that. The Players Coalition has been very active. And I think teams are starting to get behind that. Almost every team I've talked to, the players have said that they've had team meetings th throughout this offseason dedicated to these issues. We've had in Cleveland, we've had guest speakers come in uh, who are very involved in these issues to share their knowledge and their perspective. Uh, so, so I think people are starting to get more involved in, in not just raising the awareness, but affecting change in communities. Uh, and, and that's a great thing to see. His uh, initials, J.C., stand for just cash. Uh, J.C. Treader. Um, what if you said the if I didn't watch the Browns last year and I said, what happened? How would you describe what happened with the Browns last year? Yeah, I, I think we had a lot of a lot of different directions being pulled at. And I think what, what's been nice with the addition of Coach Stefanski coming to the fold uh, is there's a singular focus on the work that has to go into it. Uh, and there's no worry about what expectations we have uh, or what people think we're capable of or not capable of. It's solely about every day putting the work in. And I think that's a, a change that was needed 
to be able to come in and have everybody just focus on getting better every day uh, and not worry about everything that's going on on the outside, not getting involved with everything going on in the media and just focus on playing football and playing it at a high level. Baker Mayfield says he's not talking this year. How long is that going to last, JC? I think Baker's been great this offseason. I think he's been a a true leader of the team. He's been great during the virtual program. Uh, And again, you just see him continue to take steps uh, to establish himself as, you know, the face of a franchise and a a leader in the locker room. Uh, And he's he's been the leader since he got here. Uh, And and he continues to uh, mature and, and, you know, take that role uh, and move forward with it. Uh, But he's been great. He's been going into different meetings and, and being involved beyond what what you'd expect. But do you uh, think that he could actually be quiet? Uh, I mean, he has so far. Uh, yeah, but he, he hadn't had, played yet. He hadn't been criticized for anything yet. <laughs> that, that's true. That, that's, I mean, I think he's, I, I think there are, there are some people that continue to <laughs> criticize him even when nothing's going on. Oh, that's on. true. That's true. But those <laughs> so are, those, I think he's been <laughs> criticized, but I, I think he, uh, I'll, I'll believe him. I, you know, I, I trust, you know, his perspective at this point, I just want to go out there and prove it on the field. And I think whenever Baker gets that chip on his shoulder, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah. Did you ever just say, shut up, Baker? <laughs> well, Baker's one of those guys. He's a chippy guy where, you know, we go after each other all the time just in fun. Um, but, you know, he, he's one of the best guys in the locker room where, where he likes giving it, but also he can – he can take some criticism and take some shots and not take it personal. So he, he's been he's been fun to mess around with. Uh, McLovin, do you want to place a bet, Cornell, versus Dartmouth, November fourteenth? Uh, mm. You want to put some something on the line here? Well, I'm assuming say? Dartmouth will are, already have wrapped up the Ivy League title wow. by then. They might sit wow. some guys. Wow, I don't know. I mean, Cornell lost. Do they really need their first team against Cornell? I don't. <laughs> JC, respond. I mean, I, I'm willing to uh, – you, you threw out the wager. I'm, I'm willing to listen. I, uh, I've i been in more con- contact with, with my guys back at Cornell recently, and uh, I'm excited to see what they do. How about um, – let me see. How about he has to wear a big green uh, Dartmouth jersey in a post game of whatever week that is, like week 10. He has to wear a Dartmouth T-shirt in the locker room for Ooh. the post game interviews. Okay. And I will wear a Cornell – Helmet. Helmet on the show. So he'll wear a Dartmouth uh, or a Cornell helmet for three hours on the show, JC. You have I think to. That wear, sounds fair. You have to wear a Dartmouth jersey the entire week, and you have to bring up Dart- <laughs> Dartmouth that entire following week. You always have to make a mention of Dartmouth, Dartmouth football. Jay Fiedler, Buddy Tevens, all those is names. That, Throw is, them that, in there. is that fair enough? I have to. I have to wear this shirt for the entire week. Yes. I, I think that's. I think that's a little. Uh, a little too much. I will. Um, I will wear it for one day, your choice, whether it's Sunday after the game or, or any day uh, throughout the week. Uh, in any media that week, I will always give a reference to Dartmouth. JC, okay. Yes, JC, yes McLovin. Don't negotiate with me. I'm not the NFL. I'm not going to roll over here. I know your tricks. <laughs> this is great practice. Is great practice. <laughs> all right, I think we got it. I think we got the, the battle lines have been drawn here. Now all of a sudden I care about Dartmouth and Cornell. Uh, JC, good luck in the offseason uh, with everything you're uh, navigating through. We appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's uh, JC Treader, the JC for Just Cash. That's not true, right, Pauly? Uh, I think it's uh, Joseph Carl Treader. Okay. JC Treader. Yeah, Joseph Carl. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. Back with our play of the day after this.
Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Poll questions today, McLovin. What are we thinking about? Okay, uh, we talked about this. If I could give you one of these two options, Mm -hmm. uh, I can guarantee some sort of MLB season and playoffs. Or I can guarantee no hitch in the NFL season. Uh, otherwise, you roll your dice with either of them. Which one would you take as a sports fan? I'm going to guess they're going to take football, but I would roll the dice with the NFL and have baseball come back. Because you feel confident NFL is yes. going to be able to do this. What about this positive test thing? Well, it, once again, if I say where were we three months ago and where are we now and where are we going to be in 100 days from now. And the NFL can always take the first month of the season and put it on the back end of the season and still have room and time for the Super Bowl. That, you know, that that would be worst case scenario, but that's not a bad scenario to have. If you're not able to start on time, if you have, you know, positive tests, you're going to have preseason games coming up in August. We're going to know where the NFL is coming up a lot sooner than you think. What else, McLovin? Who do you blame more in Major League Baseball's problems, the owners or the players? And the reason I ask this is I sense that there's much more animosity towards the owners in this round than there's ever been in a labor problem before. They're being vilified in the press. I don't know if the average fan cares. I don't know if the average fan cares. Here's what I was thinking yesterday after the show. Why do I care? It feels like more than Major League Baseball cares. Like the fans care about this and it feels like the owners and players are saying, hey, all right, well, whatever. I mean, they care about the money. I get that. I just care about the sport. I don't know if they care about the sport. They care about the money. And, you know, that's the disconnect I think you have with fans. The fans are just saying, hey, sort it out. But why don't I get Tony Clark, the head of the Players Association, God, I'm talking about this thing again, the commissioner and the head of the Players Association in the room together, and how about you have a mediator? And how about, it's just like a marriage, you know, counselor, therapist. Hey, you're saying this, well, you said that. Okay, let's come to an agreement. Let, let's, let's start to close the gap here a little bit, because it's widening, it feels like. Yeah, see. It's almost like if you tweak those words a little bit, where the fans care about the sport, the players and the owners care about the business, yeah. right? And that that's sort of the disconnect where you just want to see the game. You just want the sport back and you just want to watch the game. You don't really care who's getting what cut of what money, but they do. Yep. They definitely do. Oh, and, and I it, understand it. If I was involved, I would understand that. But the people who are leading have to understand what is going to be best for the sport. You may take a hit now. You may take a financial hit now. You may be criticized publicly. But we're going to look back on this day or these times and we're going to see how these commissioners handled these, you know, these issues, this pandemic. Adam Silver, I think history will be very fair to him and kind to him with what is going on right now in his sport. Gary Bettman with the NHL, the PGA Tour. I don't know baseball with what's going on. History is not going to be kind to Rob Manfred. And you can go back down through history, Bud Selig, for every great thing he did, what's he remembered for? We had one year where we didn't have a World Series. Bowie Kuhn. Bowie Kuhn, you know, he was ripped for a lot of different things. 
he forced Hank Aaron to play in a game, making sure that he wouldn't, you know, when he was going to break Hank Aaron or a Babe Ruth's home run record, uh, you know, he'd always wear his big trench coat. You know, history wasn't too kind on Bowie Kuhn for a variety of things. And Bud Selig, we remember that. Pete Rozelle, when the NFL played that weekend, when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, the following weekend they played football, and he regretted it the rest of his life. You have these moments where we look at a commissioner and say, what did you do when you actually had to be a commissioner and take ownership of something and be responsible here? And I think that's what we're going to do with Rob Manfred. History is not going to be kind to Rob Manfred. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, but I wonder if the owners think of it the same way. Do the owners look at Adam Silver and say he's doing a great job? Or do they say, look at how he handled the China situation and that's costing us millions? Do the owners look at Roger Goodell and say what he's doing right now and talking about getting Colin Kaepernick in? I wonder if they think Roger Goodell is doing a good job this week. I know that's different than what the public thinks. Well, the owners just want to make money. Yes. Their bottom line is, hey, we don't want to upset our fan base. They care more about their fans than they do their players. I think everybody would be in agreement with that. But I go back to what happened with Adam Silver in Hong Kong. That wasn't his fault. That was Daryl Morey who had a tweet that he sent out. Adam Silver, you know, says we're getting out of here. They've lost all that money. They lost billions. China hasn't come back. They won't be coming back with the NBA anytime soon. But I think the commissioner was saying we cut our losses. We literally cut our losses and we come back home. I didn't like how... You know, it was handled, but I understand why it was handled that way because they're talking about billions of dollars here. Yeah, McLevin. If I'm a baseball player, I would strongly consider, if I'm a pitcher especially, I would consider sitting it out. But you're only making a fraction of your pay for a championship that won't be considered a championship. It's it's different than NBA and NHL. Yeah, but you NHL. have a lot of these players who don't make a lot of money. Right, I'm talking about the high end, especially the pitchers who are not going to want to risk their arm. I, I get it, you know, because it's going to be all about pitching when these teams come back. And, and how often are you using these pitchers? Because if it's a 50-game schedule, your, your pitching staff's going to be more important than it's ever been. And the deeper your pitching staff is, the, you know, you're going to be one of the favorites. But yeah, I understand that. But there's a lot of these players are making $600,000. And that's going to be prorated. You might be making $200,000 to come back. Is it worth the risk to come back? And I don't know. And that's every individual has to speak on that. If Mike Trout doesn't want to come back because he doesn't want to get 7 or $10 million and his wife is pregnant, I understand. It's everybody. You have all the individuals should have a voice here. And if you don't want to come back, then don't come back. Adam Silver has said, if you don't want to come down to Orlando, you don't have to. He's not, you know, it's not draconian where he's, you know, saying, if you don't come back, you risk. He's just saying, if you're not comfortable, I think Adam Silver said, Orlando's not for everyone. He's at least trying to understand the other side. Baseball doesn't feel like they're trying to understand the other side. And I can say that about the players as well. Football, they got some time here. Figured this out. Jason in California joins us. Hi, Jace. What do you have for me today? Hey, what's up, DP? What's up, fellas? Good hey, morning. Jason. Morning. Six foot one eighty-seven. Hey, I just want to talk about um, my disgust with Manfred and uh, baseball as a whole. Uh, it makes me sick. I, I, I mean, I wasn't really optimistic because they kept pushing it back, but uh, now 
whatever they negotiate or this season, I'm over it. I'm done with it. I don't really care. I, I know each guy has their own uh, issue with pay and family and this and that and their health, but uh, Man- Manfred has to be the worst commissioner I've ever experienced of being a lifetime sports fan. And uh, I don't know. The only way to bring this bring fans back is uh, steroids, juice balls, and cheap beer. I don't know. All right. Well, thank you, Jason. You might, might already have that. Yeah, Paul. I may vote for that guy for commission. <laughs> Juice baseballs, free beer. I'm in. And steroids. Yeah. I think we have all of those, except for the beer's not <laughs> free. That's it. Uh, what else do you have, McLovin? Are we going to stick with the... Uh... Oh, uh, we have a side topic. Um, do you like fast food? Yes or no? We're having a fast food conversation. Paulie claims to be anti-fast food, but I tell you, getting off the plane, it's like a beeline to see him go to Shake Shack in the airport. Well, so. at the airport, there's not a lot of mom and pop restaurants yeah. to choose from. Sometimes you have to uh, do what the best is available. And also, is In-N-Out fast food? Or is, are Five Guys fast food? Are you going to do this because this is where Seton gets I know. yelled at? Yeah, I know. I want to get it. I want to throw him under the bus. Well, there's fast food and then there's quality fast food. <laughs> oh. I'll let you figure out which wow. one they all belong wow. in. Wow. Wow. There, he's back. Here we go. Here we go. Five guys, number one. Mark Grace, former Cubby, will join us.